For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. today with a little favor to ask over the recent weeks and months i've had loads of you get in touch with some great questions and today i'm going to be trying something new with the show i'm trialing a q a segment where i'll be joined by co-host and elite coach educator gerard jones now these are discussions which are going to be taking place every sunday evening at 7 30 gmt live on twitter space if you wanted to get involved directly otherwise i'll be releasing them here every wednesday on the coaches network podcast so for today's format, slightly different, and for around about 30 minutes, each discussion will be dedicated to a question that has been sent in where myself and Joa will be going into some real depth and sharing our views and opinions on the topic in order to leave you with some key takeaways to consider in your own environments. So the favour I'm asking for today, guys, is if you could let me know your thoughts on the new format, and you can do this by getting in touch on Twitter at thecoachesnet. Once again, that is at thecoachesnet. And of course, if you have a question, feel free to send that in too. Hope you enjoy the new format. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. Hey guys, you're now listening to the Coaches Network podcast, a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent and personal development. My name's Coach Yas and I'm a UEFA A licensed football coach, coach developer and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. Johnny, good evening, man. How are you? Hello, boys. I've been away for a while and I come straight back to, to Yaz battering Rondos and Gerard giving us some French. What a, what a lovely night. Um, I want to throw in a wee curveball or a wee change here um, just on what you're talking about the now and, and try and pick up on what you're talking about in terms of context in the sessions. And, and what I want to ask, you can pick either of them, is do you look to create certain emotions from the players or feelings within the practice? And that'd be more the psychological side of it and how they deal with it. And then the flip side would be the physical bit. Do you use prep for making players tired, whether it's working hard for two minutes, three minutes, four minutes? And then how how would you plan for that? Hopefully that makes sense. Just to clarify, Johnny, um, are you saying to support the players in understanding how to perform under fatigue? Yes, how to perform under fatigue because I think it's important that at certain times and practices you push players because if they're not physically tired or physically struggling within training, once you get to the end of a game, how are they going to deal with it? And then also like just the psychological side of it, are you making them frustrated? Are you making them angry? Are you annoying them in terms of what they would replicate on the pitch too? obviously on the pitch being key and not just coaches having fun and winding them up. Yeah, I love that. Um, <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I don't know if this answers your question, but I think for, for me personally, um, and I think this is something I would recommend all coaches to do personally, as a, as a base of anything that I've done with any players that I work for now, the first thing I do is make sure the intensity is through the roof. Um, I'm of the opinion that if you can raise the intensity and get them to appreciate that in its first in- instance, then 
before you even begin coaching them or giving them any real technical information, but you actually just raise the intensity and maintain that intense intensity over a sustained period of time, they will develop on that alone, in my opinion. Um, now, that's because they're going to be dealing with a lot more pressure at a quicker, you know, quick, a quicker paces. Um, different different dynamic movements are going to be required to get in and out of certain situations, but it's constant, constant, constant. That doesn't mean you don't give them breaks, but I think the first layer is if you can get that intensity up, you're, I think you're already, you're already 10, 20% ahead. Then you can start layering on the coaching piece around the technical information, potentially tactical information or whatever it is the focus of your session might be. Now, in terms of the point that you've made around the fatigue piece, I have actually I've actually done that in the past where I've actually put on practices um, to physically exhaust my players in early parts of the session just so I can challenge them under fatigue to still be highly effective in making appropriate decisions based on what the, what's, what's needing to be made in that moment of the game. Being able to put them in situations where they're under fatigue, they're able to manage the practice and in, so manage this tempo of the game, manage the situation of the game and not just you know, rely on them being able to do it when they haven't been exposed to doing it under fatigue, if that makes sense. I don't know if that answers your question or gives you any insights, but that, that's just my views on that. Gerard, I know you've got your hand up as well, though. Yeah, I think it's a great question, Johnny. And it's, I know we're touching on some stuff in um, the upcoming webinar, but basically, for me, when I was thinking about it, I think there's so many ways, whether it's pressure, because you talked about fatigue, but as we all, and feel free to jump in at any time, Johnny, as well. You know, um, I don't want to talk at you. Um, you talk about fatigue, but a lot of that, as well as physical, is probably a mental. So, how do you develop that mental pressure or that ability to manage emotions, like emotional control? So, we do a lot of this, or I've done in the past, where there's been certain times where it might be playing for longer, so they've got to last longer. And that might be because of the rules, the work-to-rest ratio, playing underloaded. The game that I mentioned at the start, where it was just because of the rules of the game, it naturally creates a lot of overloads, underloads. That's quite physically demanding. Because if you imagine, you could be 1v3 for a long period of time or 1v1 for a long period of time, as well as being 3v3 or 5v whatever. So, And then just the physical of running onto different pitches... So the physical load there, how you manage and manipulate the physical load based on, I guess, the distances you want to cover, there's that piece. I think the the mental piece is a huge one because there's so many ways we can manipulate it, whether it's awarding a PK to a team or giving the ball to another team for an offside, even if they weren't offside, just to see how they react. You know, I, I always remember Dan Bacicci on the, the AYA years ago when he uh, was with England, he just left MK Dons. And uh, basically he was saying how there were certain players that he wanted to develop their principle around where they would just, for example, they'd head it or clear it for the sake of clearing it, but they could have brought it down on the chest or they could have headed it to a teammate. So if he ever saw those behaviours, what he would do, it's not a punishment, but a consequence. He would say... <laughs> blow the whistle, free kick to the opposition. And then over time, they'd stop doing it. He'd, he'd obviously explain, you could have got that down on your chest and played. But every time they did something that went against almost how they want to play, and he'd explain this, sometimes he'd be an idiot for sake of being you know, rough 
um, or aggressive or hostile. And at the end, he'd say, hey, why do you think I was that way? And, and it was almost like pressure coaching. And I think that's a huge part as well. I know we're going to unpack a little bit in the webinar, but how can we design more environments where we're pressure coaching the players? So it's not that there's a punishment, but there's some kind of a consequence for making good decisions as well as bad decisions. And what does that look like? Because obviously in a game environment, we know where you know it's very difficult to re- replicate that exact temporal pressure where they're walking from the halfway line. And the, I mean, how many times have we ever trained that or done that in a session? I've never done it. Where you have to walk from the halfway all the way on your own to pick up the ball to set the PK in a in a moment. And if you hit the ball, keeper saves it, you're out or you miss. But how do you recreate those pressure moments, right? So it's I think there's certain skillful ways that we can do that, whether it be with the sound of a crowd, playing with music boxes, or whether it's just as simple as certain coaching behaviours where you might observe them do something, but you don't say anything, or you look angry or whatever. I don't know. There's got to be a rationale behind what you do, because equally, you don't want to have the... We've got to be careful. We've got Daniel in the room, who's a psychologist, I guess, and he might tell us better, but we don't we don't want to um, you know, cause psychological trauma, but I do think there's a great opportunity there to just develop players' emotional control, because I've seen it where some kids have, like, smashed a ball over the fence because of petulance. And it's like, come on, we know you're getting frustrated with your team or you've missed a chance, but you've got to come back from that. And I think the physical one, I think, is a huge one, to be honest with you, Johnny, because there's times that we would automatically do a lot of games where we were 10 v 11 or 9 v 11. I remember doing it once against uh, Bristol City and we had a man sent off and we did it underloaded, end up drawing. And in another game... <laughs> He probably thought I was evil, but we were playing against the, the team and the, they had a couple of injuries. They had a man sent off. They wanted to reduce it. And I was like, actually, no, let's just stick with it, see how they deal with it. And it was 11 versus whatever. But I think those moments is how do you deal with it? How do you change the tactics to cover the load? How do you deal with that physical demand? So, um, yeah, or even just the manipulation of the spaces. So I think you bring a great point there. And I think there's a, a definite place for all that you know you mentioned there about being angry well what does angry look like why do they get angry always having that mind you know uh, Rooney when he smashed the ball after running past the referee because he was he was annoyed by a decision and he's absolutely volleyed it into the top corner against was it Newcastle you know and that was years ago but I always have that moment in my mind but how do you get certain players where it's an optimal level of angry, if that makes sense, because you don't want it to affect the the performance. So it just goes back to knowing your players. So no, brilliant stuff. Yeah, just really quickly on that, Joel. I think two things. One, I think it's it it, it brings you back to that um, point I made earlier about observing it through our eyes and their experiences. Oh, do we know what angry actually looks like? On you know, in practical practical terms, when we look at their players, or are we just assuming they look angry? And the second point, I think, um, I think Johnny was expecting his answer in French, man. I'm so hungover, I don't think I'd even have a clue half the time what normal language is the day, boys. But uh, I think on the on the emotions part, the thing I've always used is red head, blue head, or I've used it for years, I should say. Oh, um, I love that, love and, that. Yeah, and and it's important that you use what the players say and what what the players do, so you can explain to them 
what it is in redhead mode or bluehead mode. And I've been at clubs who have changed it for the colours of the strips or whatever. So you set out guidance, you know, of what you just ask. What is, you know, what do you feel when you're redheaded, when you're angry? And you just use their words. And all you do is I would say, me and Gerard are coaching. I'll pick one team, Gerard will pick the other. And as coaches, as Gerard's saying, we'll just try and manipulate decisions, give other teams decisions, or make it so competitive that we can then talk about um, red heads and blue heads and whichever way you want to do it. And and I think that sort of if you if you've got different coaches, you know you've got to use them. And maybe one person is focusing on how intense it is, who's getting rests, who's not getting rests. One person leads the coach. I know this is all very basic stuff, but I think in terms of the title of tonight's session, it's important that everyone knows their roles so that everyone can flow, as what Yaz had said earlier. I love it. The first time I got Redhead Bluehead was from uh, watching RFU England rugby camp back in 2015 or something, and I loved it. I've used it ever since, Johnny. I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, it's worked actually I've used it even with the under 14s and players recognising and they've actually talked back to me like you're saying and I'm asking the question they're like yep yeah, redhead and he's lost it and he's affected his cross right how can you be a bluehead now what would you need to need to be calm need to be composed so no I love it it's great stuff gold stuff you just got to remember it takes time though that's the key yeah? you, you've got to make sure you're patient with it that's it that's it Dino how's it going well, just so Dean can uh, hopefully figure it out and, and, and get on, it'd be great to get his insight as well, you know, from tonight. Um, I mean, is there anything else, you know, piggybacking off what Johnny said there, which looks at it from another perspective, you know, the psychological lens. I know, Dan, you know, you've got a lot of work as a sports psychologist and some of the stuff you're doing. So, you know, anyone else, feel free to, to jump in and add anything or Paul or any of the listeners. I think Joe, just you know, just while we're, you know we're waiting for anyone, if they do want to say anything on this, I think it's just been, you know, I just want to say it's been really interesting and in, you know insightful conversation for me, even just to participate in, as well as listen to the views of Tony and some of the questions that Johnny's put to us, as well as your views. Um, and really, I think it's you know it's, it's just to re- reiterate really, you know, that we're here to kind of grow this coaching community. So it's great to see so many new faces in it. Please make sure you are following us. Please make sure you stay engaged and interact with us because. You know, we are here most weeks putting conversations on similar to this and it is very, very, you know, insightful for us, very interesting for us to kind of get the opinions and views of other people as well. Um, as much as it is about me and Gerard just, you know, biting each other's ears off and you know, and sharing our own views. Dean, good evening, man. How are you? Hear me. Perfect. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Great to great to connect with you guys and great to listen some uh, some great points tonight and a and a great topic for for conversation. I just wanted to throw in something at the end, having listened to to all the points, and completely agree with a lot of what you've talked about. I'd challenge Yaz on rondos, obviously, but again, everything is about context and the reason behind what we're doing, and the fact that every player is an individual, and you know. Learning is non-linear, so their pathways are going to be completely different. And obviously, we've talked about how to, to address that by approaching the session in an individual way. But my final little challenge here is, having visited a lot of clubs, watched a lot of sessions, 
both in the UK and Spain in, in America and now I'm in South Africa is as coaches, how often do we replicate our behavior in training on game day? So we're talking here about designing practices for learning and treating players as individuals and creating an environment where they can learn. But how many times do the coaches then go across the game day and behave in a completely different way, even though they, they preach a learning environment the practice environment is for learning. But then when it comes to game day, their behavior is very different and the players are stressed in a completely different way that maybe they're not familiar with. And they come from this learning environment maybe three or four times a week, however often they are trained, however they're lucky to train, how often. And then they're presented with something completely different. And I know Yaz was talking about, can we create maybe one week a month where we stress them and we create maybe a competition week? I've seen clubs do that, which is great. But I think coaches in the whole, we preach development. But when it comes down to it, even if it's just an academy game or, uh, Gerard, you work in the US, I've obviously worked there as well. And when, when you're trying to get through to playoffs and suddenly it goes out the window, right, when, when the stress is on. And suddenly the players are presented from, oh, wait a minute, I thought, I thought this was a nice learning environment. And suddenly it's not. And it's not designed like that. It's just because as coaches, we sometimes lose control of the situation and we go into this ultra-competitive winning mode, which, as we know, long-term is not going to be beneficial for the players. So just a challenge here to the group, really, and just throwing it out there, um, your thoughts, your feelings. Do you agree? Do you disagree? And, and what we can do as coaches to stop that from happening? Dean, first of all, thank you for getting involved. Uh, I think it's a great point. In fact, uh, just having this conversation with Jared the other day around, um, well, what is development? You know, we often kind of fall into this mindset or this world that development is is not about winning. And I think there's an element of that that I understand and appreciate. Um, but I also think it depends on the age and stages of players and what the what the what the outcome of the environment you're working in is is designed for so i'll give you an example you know uh, recently i was working with um, a group of players female players in particular age you know kind of 16 15 16 year olds and obviously their pathway is very different to what it is in the, in the male game in that there isn't you know their, their pathway is a lot more staggered so that you know the they typically have um, staggered age groups, so they might go 12s, 14s, 16s in their in their quote unquote professional pathways, if you like, um, rather than where the boys have got you know a year in every age group. And obviously that has its own challenges because they're now playing with different age groups and whatnot. But I looked at it and I said, right, we've got this situation now where we've got to basically the equivalent of a playoff final, if you like, and. Is the exact conversation we had was this is how we've worked with you as coaches throughout the season and these are the reasons why. So they really understood well, why does Yas ask so many questions? You know, okay, now we actually understand why Yas asks the questions. It's because he's not trying to give us all the answers, but he's also really trying to understand what we know so that he can kind of fill in the gaps where he thinks might might be necessary. And 
I think that piece was so key because they started to understand and you know not started to, but they actually had clarity on why I coached the way I coach and what the outcomes were. But then I looked at it from a perspective of well, they're fifteen, sixteen, their pathway is very different to the boys. For some of these players, they might be looking to go into clubs and they might have that, that development pathway where they go from six under sixteens to potentially under eighteens and under twenty ones, and there's a pathway into a potential first team. But for those that don't go down that pathway, well for a lot of them who are on the verge of being 16 and, and, and whatnot, they're probably going to go straight into senior football. Now, yes, at different levels, but fundamentally they're going to be looking to go into senior football. But what does senior football do for them? Well, senior football is not really about this quote-unquote development piece that everyone bangs on about, no matter what level you play at, especially if it's competitive, obviously. But how much exposure are we giving them to that? So the conversation at the com- you know before the game was well here's how I typically coach and these are the reasons behind it, um, but here's the context of today's game. Today's game is this quote unquote playoff final. Now for me personally, and I wouldn't voice this to them, but I couldn't give any less any care any less about whether they won the game or not. But I appreciate and understand that, you know their players they want to win the game and. It is what it is. So explaining the situation to them, what the game actually would mean on the grand in the grand scale, at the back end of the season, I gave them the choice, and I think you know right, rightly so. Do you want me to? Do you want us as coaches to approach it how we have been the whole season, with this being the the, the thought process behind it, or do you want us to approach it with this mindset where it's we need to win today's game? Now, I. I think it was a good conversation to have, but I think on reflection, I probably wouldn't even ask the conversation. I probably wouldn't even have that conversation with them again where I gave them the choice, but I just explained more so that you're going to be moving into a senior environment where the expectation is we're going to have to try and win games. Now, within that, it's also explaining the consequences and, and, and what comes with that. So if we're going to go with a must-win mentality for this game as an example, and we're going to really go out and try and win it, well, what it does mean is that 50% game time that you've been getting all season throughout all the games goes out the window because you're not going to get exposure to that. That you know that that element of you coming in and thinking because you've got 50% game time, you're actually a key member of the team. Well, that's no longer a, a, a key factor and it, that could look very different when you go into a senior environment because you could still be a key factor in the team, but you might not get your 50, 50% game time. And we saw that in the Champions League final recently with Kyle Walker. Um you know, and we saw if we even if we go back a few years when Man United got to one of their finals, I think one of the biggest regrets that Ferguson talks about was, you know, he had Jisung Park play every game up until the final and left him out, and that was his biggest regret that season. And you know, just little things like that. How how much as coaches are we preparing the players and exposing them to these potential circumstances that might occur, and actually put some real reality on the situation they're in? Because for many players. I think there is this warped reality of where they actually are within the group that they're performing mm. in. And I think this this piece needs to be spoken about more, not in a malicious way, but in an open and honest way of this is where you're at. Now, this does not mean this is where you're always going to be at, but there, it's if this is where you're at, how do we maximise what you can offer us? And I think that conversation isn't happening enough. So I think, you know, you make the great point around, we, you know, the behaviours and whether it's aligned. But I think if the behaviours are aligned, then, you know, that's amazing. But I think what's more important for me is, do the players understand why the behaviours are the behaviours? 
is probably what well, I would that's exactly. Well, that's exactly the same as the point you, you made before, right? Regarding do the players understand why they're doing an unopposed practice, like Tony said. There is value in everything if there is context and understanding and it creates some sort of game intelligence and some sort of cognitive adaptation and improvement. If the players are just training in a session, they have a topic that's picked from a curriculum that's been planned for 365 days when we don't know where the players are going to be in four weeks, mm. then it makes no sense, right? But like you said, as long as the behaviour is consistent and if you look at two examples, like to your point, if you look at the way the EPPP was originally structured, you've got um, learning to train, learning to play and learning to win. So suddenly you're supposed to be in this development mindset all the way to 16 or 18. And then suddenly the players are supposed to just flick a switch in their mind and learn how to win. And then if you look at like a practical example, if you've been in a changing room, which you, which you have of an, of an FA Youth Cup game, the amount of times coaches say, come on, it's just another game. It's just another game. We're not going to behave any different. It's just another game. But in saying that, they're behaving completely differently and putting loads more stress load on the players. And it's, you know, why can't, why can't under-12s be pressured to learn to win if it's in the right way and the messages are delivered in the right way? And we're going off on a bit of a tangent here, but... No, but as I, long think, as I, think it's, I think it's so relevant, though, Dean. I think it is so relevant because you talk there about this, you know, the change. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The changing of behaviors from the coaches and whether that actually is consistent. I think the, the best piece here is about the consistencies are we are we staying consistent not in our necessarily our behaviors always but in our intentions for what we're trying to provide right we're trying to provide reflective experiences of what we hope these players are going to have to endure as they grow through their pathways now if you go around what you've just said about learning to play learning to i can't remember the three phrases you used but fundamentally the final was learning to win is what all of a sudden i'm 16 i'm learning to win yeah but what happens if i'm jude bellingham and at 16, I'm not in the first team. Well, I ain't got time to learn how to win. I've just got to be able to do it straight away. Because now the team's relying on me as Jude Bellingham, as an example. But it's where do we expose them to then? How 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 much? So, you know, I, I'm working with a club at the moment and, I, and I've said to them, well, I think you should approach it that how, how do you start to bring some of that stuff into your game? So maybe at under 15s and under 16s, knowing that some of these players may move straight into senior football at the back end of it, can you now maybe use utilize your cup games as actually this is going to be a, a, a must win game, a, a winning approach to this game, and those are the pressures that are going to be on it. Because I think the other challenge is here, and I think it's, it's interesting that you made the point about development. I, I think there's so many coaches that are in that mindset, and maybe I'm uh, fortunate, and I would say I guess I am fortunate because we've had those experiences where we've been in those FA Youth Cup games and things like that, where you get to see that side of it, right, and you get to appreciate well, it's more than just about quote-unquote development and is now about actually trying to get the team to win I think there's so many coaches who haven't been exposed to that to that extent where they probably don't actually understand in many respects what it looks like to behave as a coach who's going after the win and actually do it with uh you know meaningfully if that makes sense I don't know what your thoughts are on that though yeah before I speak again I'm just going to 
uh, defer to Gerard because he's had his hand up like a good schoolboy for a good three minutes now. <laughs> no, no worries, no worries. No, all I was going to say was it sort of relates back to, you know, Dean, your first point. What you were saying there, Yaz, to me, makes clear sense because even what you described there is that behaviour that you elicited or how you responded to the players and you're trying to win them, this is a final and then how you want me to coach and all this type of stuff. I think there lies at the heart of the, the problem or the discussion in that it's that constructive alignment. And I think obviously we have to be our, our authentic selves in games. But I think the question then becomes, you know, maybe to Dean's point of, well, what does that look like for coaches who are working at the grassroots level, right? Or or any level, academy or whatever, and with certain age groups, whether that be U9s or whatever it may be. Because it does look different. You know, the games programmes now across most grassroots teams and academy teams in the UK and certainly here in the US and, and other places, they are more varied. They do include a lot of tournaments and a lot of those experiences, which is then, you know, prepared coaches in other ways, right? Because to your point, Yaz, there's coaches where how many times have they been in that moment where it's a semi-final or it's a final or PKs or whatever. So you, the coaches gain an experience as much as the, the players. But for me, there has to be that constructive alignment in behaviour where if we're saying it's okay to do that dribble, you know, in practice, it might be, oh, well done, well done, great stuff, oh, good try. But then on a match day, whoa, 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 not there. Jesus Christ. You know, if it's that, I'm doing an, ex- an extreme there. It's certainly not <laughs> how I coach, but you get my point. The, the, the problem is then is it's a, it's a dualism, isn't it? And it's a, a mixed message for the players because on one end we're saying, great effort, well done, good try. But on the other end, it's whoa, 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 not there, only in the final third. Well, then for the players, it's like, well, hang on a minute. We've been training a certain way all week. This is confusing. So I think it it relates really well to this topic tonight because it's not so much about winning, but it's winning behaviours. I think we talk about winning, but then the danger can become, and I'll give a couple of examples. You know, I've coached boys. I mean, you'll know this, Dean, in the US, what it's like. And it's crazy, really. But these guys are playing a stupid amount of games each weekend. I mean, a silly amount of games. And you've got kids who, even at U9, are playing in state cups and, you know, what have you. And they're, they're in some high-end competitions or they're travelling nationally and it's crazy. But, you know, even taking like that or an under-18 team recently I was working with, you know, you can talk about our outcomes and going into the game, treating it one game at a time. But then the coach goes, up. Oh, we're in the final now. It's different. I'm going to coach a certain way. You're not getting this game time, whatever. These are the points you made, Jazz, as well. Well, surprise, surprise, they lost those games. So my argument would be, what if you didn't talk about winning, but it was more the winning behaviours? What does winning behaviours look like? And that became a consistent, irrespective of the game. It's, yes, we want to go out and win, but what are the behaviours we can control? Because we can't control the ref. We can't control the opposition's emotions and how they react to us. But what we can control is our own emotions. We can control whether we switch off on a throw-in or not. 
or whether we go and get that ball or not, or we, you know, manage the game and do the, the little nuanced tactics or not. So to me, it's the winning mentality, the winning behaviours that's important. And I think that's the, the, the key that then that coaching behaviour has to constructively align with how we are on a match day, which is, I think, to Dean's point. Because I think if there's no constructive alignment there, then what we're really saying in practice isn't relevant to the players and they will switch off because they know it's not true. So I think whatever we do, we have to be authentic and it's almost replicating that same behaviour within a safe uncertainty. But the, the bigger challenge becomes, I don't want to give too many points in one, so that's the first point. I'm sure you've all seen that safe uncertainty and unsafe uncertainty and things like that. And if you haven't, there's a great grid for it. Um, and we used it in one of our webinars. The reality is, is that at certain levels of the game, it's very judging, it's very toxic, it's highly critical, whatever. That's the game. Well, how do we prepare them for that without being some of those behaviours where it is fear of failure, toxic, highly critical, subjective? How do you prepare the players to, to be able to operate under that pressure? And I think that's where we've just got to be very good at skillfully balancing, well, what does pressure look like? But also managing our own emotions as well as coaches so that there is that alignment. That's the only thing I wanted to add onto that. Yeah, no, I, can, I, can, I, agree with, I agree with you, Gerard. That, you know, we're, we're in a stage now where coaching's come, we've kind of gone from that like coach-led behaviours through the game as the teacher and the old youth modules, which was probably way too fluffy and too open. Now it's around, we want the players to be more involved. We want the players to be, to have their inputs. We want them to be self-sufficient. We want them to be kind of self-driven learners. And we want them to link and reflect, you know, if it's peer-to-peer, if it's coach-to-player, if it's player-to-coach, to have a nice, open, emotionally safe environment where players can feel free to make mistakes. But like you said, if from week to week they're not able to reflect on the game performance because the environment is completely different, and when they come into the next, week, next week's training cycle, their mindset is going to be completely different and they're going to come into that week thinking, oh, God, I've got some stuff wrong in the game and the coach said this and suddenly now the coach is, is he or her is their nice, open, inclusive, uh, self-creating this nice learning environment and the players probably think, you know, some players might not even notice. Some players may think, wait a minute, I, can't, I don't really know where I fit here. You know, I'm not sure how to behave or I'm not sure what the coach wants from me. So really, like, it goes back to the point that every person that's spoken tonight has said is that whatever you're doing, be it a, an unopposed and opposed, a transition practice, a rondo, whatever the learning is about, there has to be reason behind it and it has to come from what the players need not just because it's week 14 in the season and on the pad it says that we're doing attacking this week and the topic is this because that was what was decided 14 weeks ago. It's got to be right, well, what do the players need now? Because in that 14 weeks, two players have gone for a growth spurt, one of them's parents have divorced, one of them's girlfriends dumped him or you know something could have happened that changes the environment and how much as coaches are we doing to understand that environment? How much time do we spend with them trying to understand who they are? You know, how many questions do we ask them that get to understand 
all the things that could impact their football. So just around their biology and their date of birth and, you know, the kind of constraints that we can manage and then looking at their life experiences, their lived experiences, their tasked experiences away from football that may bring something different week to week into the football that may then impact their development, the team's development. So, yeah, final thing for me really on that is just um, looking at every single player as an individual, but beyond beyond the football, look at everything that you can and then try and behave in a way that the players can be clear and and sure that it's safe and, and that what they're going to experience from day to day and week to week is consistent. And any any stress is planned for a specific reason, like Yaz said. All right, well, this week we're going to stress them and we're going to see how they behave. We're going to see, to Johnny's, Johnny's point, we're going to see who gets a blue head and who gets a red head because actually that may inform our behaviour as coaches moving forward and we may learn something new about players. But again, it's got, it's got to have context and reason behind it. I love it, Dean. I think it's top class because it just comes back to that who's in front of us and why they're here. And Yaz has just shared, uh, for everyone who's looking in, Yaz has just shared on there uh, something from our last webinar, which is that graph, that model, um, which ties in perfectly to what Dean was just alluding to there. Um, so we're on that continuum of safe certainty or unsafe uh, uncertainty. Where would you your practice and your behaviours uh, be plotted? So a really good reflective tool. And um, I know we're going to go to Maxi as well. Uh, just for everyone listening, the engagement has been incredible tonight. So, you know, please make sure that once you've completed, uh, once you've finished off listening to this and there's going to be more stuff that we unpack, Make sure you, you complete the self-reflection. Um, we've shared that in the group chat uh, onto this onto this uh, thread, if you like. So that's just a very short questionnaire via Google Doc where once you complete it, then you'll be eligible for, for the hour CPD through the English FA in partnership with uh, Middlesex Football. And the self-reflections around triangle, circle, square. So effectively triangle meaning what are the three takeaways for you based on tonight? Circle could be what is still swirling around that you're not sure about, a bit of confusion on. And square is what made sense to you. Um, you can use that in any way. You don't have to do every shape. You may only choose one, but it's just a reflective tool just to guide your thinking on, you know, what were the key takeaways for you tonight and what you're going to do differently. But no, thanks, everyone. I don't know if there's anything you want to add on, Yaz, onto that before we go to Maxi, or if not, yeah. Yeah, I think it's just really just um again a massive appreciation uh, you know for everyone that's obviously involved in the conversation whether you're listening whether you participated uh, you know just a real massive push you know make sure you are engaging with us make sure you're following us we've got loads of different conversations coming up over the few next few weeks in particular um and it's great to see so many new faces in the room as well so please do continue engaging with us share your views if you've got any thoughts or questions that you want to throw at us feel free to raise your hand but also you know if you're not if you're not feeling up to doing that leave a comment leave us a dm so that we can kind of explore some of the stuff that you are thinking um but yeah no that's pretty much it for me on that note maxi good evening man how are you uh i'm all right thank you uh yeah some really good discussions um what i wanted to share was um yes in relation to what you guys have spoken about uh the uh, what Dean was put about in terms of consistent coaching behavior. And uh, I just wanted to share from our end, we 
we try so a is for, first of all just to link that to the winning part so the winning piece is important but it's trying to define what that winning might be depending on uh the group the context so how we we try to do we have we have a framework um, uh, where we set success criteria that helps with, uh, the coaches and keeps the coaches and the players um, alive around consistent behavior. Um, and then within that, there's a framework of where we have a rule of three. So rule of one is managing self, rule of two is managing others, and rule of three uh, is, 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 uh, is the coach support. But then the players can use the, that same framework to hold accountable the coach. So within that, there's an action review framework. Uh, and the first part of that is managing emotions. So within uh, within uh, within us setting a success criteria, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll always come up with um, what will be acceptable, unacceptable, and what will be exceptional. And then through that process, uh, so for example, if uh, I'm, I'm with the 16s, for example, uh, again, we, we, is almost trying to help this become more of a process to allow us a fundamental yes we want to win but trying to uh, stick to be try to be as objective as possible allows allows the the emotional turmoil that comes in when it becomes competitive when in a semi-final and that kind of stuff so the review becomes very objective um, and the behavior becomes very consistent and the same framework we use that in training so nothing is different. So in training, we'll have, the players will we, we, we'll set up the, the success criteria, what is acceptable, unacceptable, and exceptional. Uh, and then what are the behaviors that we're looking uh, to allow us uh, to achieve the process of what we achieve in training. So that process, again, we use the, the, the rule of three to manage that. So that process is used uh, on, a, on a match day. So then that gives us, um, as often as possible, an objective way to have a consistent behavior across board with all the coaches and with all the kids. And what is good with this, uh, we also use this sort of sort helping the parents uh, to align with the, with, the, with, the, with the behavior. And you can see the behavior is very completely different with from other parents, for example. So when the kids come up with the, uh, the success criteria and they know what will be acceptable and what, what we're trying to view, they'd share that with the parents. So one of the players would, would go across and share with the parents and tell, okay, this is what our success criteria is. So then the behaviors and the lens at which the parents, the coaches and everybody is viewing the game, whether it's a final, not a final, um, it is very, it's almost very objective and it helps us control the emotions. And so the kids can, you know, at, at rule of one um, or a rule of three, they can reach out to the coach and say, hey, we're going to manage you, coach, because, you know, you're losing your emotion. Uh, this was a success criteria. So so just I was just trying to, it's good didn't mention that, but I just wanted to share the tools we use uh, to help the coaches uh, and the players uh, to manage behavior and align that with 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 the training and 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 all the of the aspects and the principles that we're trying to work uh, to help the players win games, but also stick to the process of of developing. So um, yeah, so I just wanted to share that. Max, you know, first of all, thank you. That you know, there's a, there's a lot in there, you know, and I'm conscious of time, so I'm not sure how much we're going to get to unpack. But I think 
for me, one of the biggest things that, that that's in there that we haven't spoken enough about is actually that parent education piece and actually sharing and, and, and challenging the understanding of what do the parents view as success in these environments? Do the parents understand enough about the learning processes? And like, sometimes I have these conversations that, you know, with, with parents and, you know, and I have empathy for them because, you know, as a parent myself, I, and, and someone who's been working in the industry and has been surrounded by coaches for the last, you know, near enough 15 years, I'm very fortunate because I can go into an environment and actually ask the questions that actually might align my understanding with the outcomes of that environment as what is viewed as success and, and what the plan is for the learning of the, athlete, of the you know, the participants within it, which many of the parents can't do. And I remember having a recent conversation with a parent around it on, you know, without looking at statistics, i.e. assist goals and the rest of the rest of that stuff how are you defining success as a parent? Because a parent actually challenged some of the stuff that's going on in one of the clubs that I'm supporting. And I'm thinking to myself, well, can you explain to me what success would look like for you if, if you're not referring to one of those things? If it's not, you know, without literally talking about anything statistical, identify what success or define what a success would look like for you or, or what development looks like for you in that environment. And, you know, reluctantly, the parent you know, wasn't able to answer the question in the first place, but reluctantly they gave me a, an answer which couldn't be formed without using goals, data, or, or my, you know, my child is 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 happier now, or or was le less happier now than they were last season. Yeah, but they're also playing two divisions above what they were playing last season. So then, are we taking that into context, or is that not development as well? So I think you know, I think that that piece around parent education is so important, and I think you know, again, I'm conscious of times. So I, I, it's definitely one that I'd invite you back on to kind of discuss and explore further. But I don't know, Gerald, if you want to add something. No, just real quick. I think it's a great point around, you know, when I was listening, I was thinking, how do we involve parents in that journey and, and as well as the players to create an environment, um, the environment of expectations, really. So especially when you're saying like, what does this look like? or does that look like? I think that's a great place because, you know, one thing we don't always talk enough about is how you're managing the performance environment or managing the culture within that particular team. And that obviously has a huge impact on the learning that can take place or not, as the case may be. So I think that's a great point, you know, that you've made there. And certainly something we can, you know, unpack as well. I mean, I think a lot of these things we'll probably touch on and go into even more detail um, on the webinar, uh, not to try and plug it, but just a case of saying that um, there's going to be a great opportunity, you know, for everyone listening. We're doing a webinar uh, with the English FA that's accredited to our CPD via Middlesex FA, and that's going to be on July 19th around developing decision makers. But we'll go in deep onto, you know, some of the topics you brought up there, Maxi and and Dean and and, and Tony and and Johnny and and even others where we're looking at practice design, we're looking at the environment, coaching behaviours and so forth. And we're going to introduce a couple of new topics that we've not spoken about before. So it adds a little bit of flavour. It'll be super interactive, uh, opportunities for breakout rooms and challenging your own ideas and sharing back to the group. And the benefit being that, you know, not only are you going to walk away with learning something, but for those who are looking to revalidate their license or gain some extra accreditation. In addition to learning something, they'll get that benefit through uh, if they're eligible for it uh, through the English FA CPD. So 
really excited and you know, just a massive thank you. I know Yaz will say it again, but you know, a massive thank you from me uh, to everyone who's contributed on tonight because this one has been incredibly interactive, um, really interesting, lots of cool ideas, and this is what it's about. We want to keep this going, you know, moving forward. So, you know, a massive thank you to everyone. Um, please make sure you do fill in the, the self-reflection form, which has been shared, and that'll give you the opportunity to get that CPD you know, if that's something you're looking for as well. Anything from you, Yaz? Yeah, no, just to really recap and reiterate what you said there, you know, massive thank you to everyone that's been involved. Again, it's, it's, it's so good to see so many new faces in here. Obviously, we've been doing this for a little while, but, you know, it it just makes it all the more worth it when we're seeing the, the, you know, the community and the network that we're trying to develop here grow, and especially with all the insights that have been shared and the questions that have been put to us. So, no, no, massive thank you for everyone. Guys, please make sure you're following us. Please make sure you engage with the post that Joe is putting out regarding um, how to access your CPD hours. And um, just for context on that, when you go on the registration link, all the information is there. But if anything's not clear, feel free to drop us a DM and get in touch. For those that have just been sitting in the room, it's great to see you, even if you haven't participated in the conversation directly. Um, but don't think you have to. You, you know, you're more than able to kind of drop us a DM a little message just to share some views and ideas that we can potentially bring forward to the rest of the group in the conversation. Um, but again, you know, we have got a, a series of events, series of conversations coming up over the next few months. Um, but if there's any particular topics or things that you want to kind of hear us discuss and feel free to kind of throw that our way as well. Um, obviously all the conversations are recorded on here. You can listen to them back um, as well as access them on the coaches network podcast, but we're not only got these conversations that myself and Jared are putting together but also a range of different guests that I've had the opportunity to speak to over the last couple of years um, from all walks of life and within the sports and athlete development world. Um, so, yeah, that's that's me, guys. Gerald, over to you, man. Thank you. You know, appreciate everyone. Hope you have a great rest of the weekend. Uh, stay tuned into what we're doing and look forward to seeing you on the next Twitter space, which will be uh, same time next week. 100% take care guys have a great evening and look forward to seeing you next week cheers guys see ya where our aim is to bring the world of athlete talent and personal development together to just one platform and you can help us with that mission right now by sharing this episode or any of your favourite episodes with everyone that you can think of you can tag us in those mentions as well on Instagram at the coaches network or on Twitter at the coaches net we look forward to hearing from you let us know what you thought about today's episode and until next time guys take care Thank you.